Praise the Lord. Take a few moments this morning to stand up, stretch out a little bit, and uh, welcome your neighbor. Uh, Give him a good handshake or a hug this morning. Hallelujah. All right. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That changes the atmosphere. How many know that the environment changes when there's fellowship? And uh, greeting everybody. How many feel the environment changes a little bit? Uh, That works right into my message this morning. Hallelujah. You didn't know you were playing out my message, did you? Hallelujah. Don't go sleep on me. Stay excited. Stay on edge, all right? Hallelujah. Lord's been changing this message even as the services came along this morning. Um, How many enjoy changing environments? Oh, some of you don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, I think it was 25 degree difference last night, overnight. Um, some of you know how to change the environment by flipping that little switch, right? Up, 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 up on the heat, you know, or maybe you turn it clockwise, right? So let me ask you again, how many like changing the environment? How many know the Lord um, has created us to be thermostats? Hallelujah. We're not here to check the temperature. You're not here. You say, well, man, I'm going to go Sunday morning. And I'm going to check the temperature out. And I don't like this and I don't like that and I don't like this. The temperature is not suitable for me. How I many know we can be that way? Or we can come to church with an attitude that we're going to change the atmosphere. We're going to change the environment. We're going to be a thermostat that literally sets it to the right temperature. Hallelujah. How many hear what I'm saying this morning? And I've been praying since last week. You know, it doesn't feel very good for a preacher to get up here and right in the middle of the message, I mean, I just felt all kinds of spiritual attacks and just could sense the environment wasn't what I wanted on a Sunday morning. And so I've been praying all week about it and God's given me this message. And so I want to deliver and I just want everybody to be with me this morning. I want everybody to help me as I've been praying through it, seeking the Lord and say, God, give me a word for this church. How many want a word for this church this morning? Hallelujah. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and let's all just be thermostats this morning. Let's go in there and let's just get the temperature right where there's no ability for the enemy to steal this word this morning. Hallelujah. Let's just pray that God would deliver what he wants this morning for this church. Hallelujah. Pray with me this morning. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, right now, we just pray to deliver your word, Lord. Father, we want you to change our hearts, Lord. Father, give us uh, the discernment that you want us to have, Lord God, so that not only the environment of our church, but the environment of our lives, the environment of our homes is affected when we're in the room, Lord God. Oh, that's your work this morning, Lord, is to make our hearts the kind of hearts that dispel darkness in every room we're in, every environment we're in, Lord God, whether it's home, whether it's work, whether it's the grocery store, Lord. You've called us to change the environment, to bring your marvelous light into the darkness of this world, Lord. You've given us authority. You've given us power. And Lord, this morning, let us understand that, Lord. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. And everybody said? Oh, wow, I only got a few thermostats this morning. And everybody said? Hallelujah. Amen. All right. Church, it's not just a message. God is speaking through His Spirit this morning. Because every environment we are in is affected by demonic spirits. How many know that? 
You say, well, no, not at church. At church, you know, it never happens. How many know when Jesus was sitting at the Last Supper, guess who was sitting next to Him? Jesus prophesied, the one I give this to, Satan entered into Him. How many know that? You say, well, I didn't know Satan was at the Last Supper. Yeah, He entered into Judas while they were sitting around the table. How many know when Jesus went in the wilderness, guess who was there tempting Him? It was a demonic attack trying to tempt him, trying to get him off course to not do what God had called him to do. How many know when uh, he went to his disciples and he went to Peter and he started asking questions, he said, who do they say that I am? And Peter says, you're, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Guess who also was in that conversation? Because right after Peter said that, he said, no, you won't go to the cross. And he said, get behind me, Satan. How many know that we were born into a world of warfare? We don't like to hear that, but we were born into a world of warfare. There are unclean spirits that are trying to get into your home. Unclean spirits trying to get into your conversations. Unclean spirits trying to get into your head. And this morning we have to be aware of the fact that there is an enemy that's coming against us. And church, if we don't have discernment, if we don't have spiritual senses, uh, the enemy is going to wreak havoc in every part of your life. He's going to get you depressed. He's going to get you upset. He's going to have you beat yourself up. He's going to have you condemned. He's going to have you uh, fighting against your family. He's going to have you fighting against your church. He's going to have you on a Sunday morning and it's going to be miserable. You're going to say, church is miserable, man. Why is church so bad? Because nobody came in and discerned that the enemy was wreaking havoc in their own church. And church, we got to come and bring an environment where God is lifted up. In fact, let me, let, let me read some of this stuff here in Galatians. It's rich. It says, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft... Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness. You say, well, man, that's terrible. But how many know all those things can enter into the house every morning? It can enter into this house. You mean people can be in here selfishly ambitious? Chad, that doesn't happen. If we're not careful and we don't bring the right environment, these things are going to enter in with us. How many have noticed over the years arguments that happen on the way to church? All it takes is for the enemy to pick off a few worship people. All it takes is for the enemy to cause an argument on the way to church. All it takes is for the enemy to get the preacher down. You know, all it takes is for a few people to be attacked on a Sunday morning for God not to be able to fulfill what He wants to fulfill in this environment. But then it goes on to say, and I'm here to report, that if we walk in the Spirit, we will not gratify the lusts of the flesh. And the Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How many know we can bring that into the house with us in the morning? We can change this whole environment if we walk in full of the Holy Spirit. And you say, well, man, Chad, it almost seems like I need to get on my face, seek God before I go to work every day. Yeah, that's right. Hallelujah. How many know that we need to bring that environment to your work? You say, you you mean to tell me they need love, peace, and joy, and 
and, and gentleness and kindness while I'm at work? What are you talking about? How many of you know we've got to shift the environment when we go to work? We especially have to shift the environment when we go to church. We have to shift the environment when we're around our family. We need to bring the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We need that love, joy, and peace, and patience, and gentleness, and goodness, self-control, faithfulness to fill the house. You say, well, what's it look like when faithfulness fills the house? Man, I don't know. I'd like to find out. How many would like to find out? Goodness? What happens when goodness fills the house? Anybody know? I'd like to know. What happens when kindness fills the house? But sometimes on Sunday morning, it looks like this. I'm going to check the temperature out here, Chad. Man, I'd love some people to come in with some joy, some love, some goodness, some kindness. How many of you know we got to bring that environment to this house? We need to bring it to our house at home. Hallelujah. And if we're not bringing it, the environment is basically what we bring in here. It's what we come to church with is what this environment, that's what we're going to get out of it. What we put into it. And same thing in our homes, same thing in our personal lives. Hallelujah. Turn, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. And I've been on this all week. I don't know how many people I've told these verses to. But I want you to hear what Paul's saying here. Paul had just went through a real deep discussion about uh, Melchizedek and his priesthood and how Christ's priesthood is superior to everything there was previous um, in the Old Testament. And Jesus is superior. His is more on the order of Melchizedek and he's kind of getting into a deep subject. And then he kind of stops. And he's like, well, I say Paul, the writer of Hebrews, okay, let me be correct here, we don't know who wrote Hebrews necessarily, but he's kind of saying to himself, I would love to go deeper on this subject, but I can't. And um, he says, concerning him, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Dull of hearing. This is just Paul's way of saying that their senses are dull. They're not um, responding. They're, it's like they're not trying. They're not, they're, they're just senses have been dulled, okay? Really get a hold of this. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. You see how they've reverted back. Where they were was actually at a more mature level, but now they've reverted. And he's got to go back and explain some elementary things again. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. So they were eating solid food, but now they're back on milk. I've never seen that happen before. Have you all seen that happen before? I've not seen it happen. But this is an interesting metaphor here. You're back on milk. You need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. Listen to this. This is my message today. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice... How many have ever practiced anything? He's saying whatever this is that makes us have solid food and mature, it's going to take practice. That means you fail 
fail, fail, and then eventually you figure it out. Uh, give you the easiest analogy, boxing. Um, if you, I had a tendency to leave my, my right hand down when I threw a jab, and every time I'd throw that jab, I'd bring it back a little low. And there was one punch I'd susceptible to, and it was a left hook because of that. And how many know you practice over and over and over until you don't get hit with that left hook anymore? You know, that's practice. You fail, you fail, you fail. How many have failed repeatedly? And this is, all he's saying is that's a normal part of it, but we got to keep practicing. We don't stop practicing. And it says you practice. Because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. So the title of my message this morning is Discernment. Training your spiritual senses. Church, we have to mature. We can't stay um, infants. We can't stay immature. Because if we stay immature in this sense, um, the enemy is going to wreak havoc in our lives and in our church and in our families and in our workplace. And so God is asking us this morning to train our senses. I mean, think that's a pretty cool thing. Discernment just means knowing. It just means understanding what your environment looks like and training your senses to discern good and evil. And we all say, well, man, Chad, I know what good and evil is. I can recognize it when it comes. But he's saying that we have to be trained to do that. And so our senses have to be trained to see Exactly what's happening. In fact, the Bible says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. And you say, well, I can see what's going on in my life. I had an argument with my wife. I had an argument with my husband. I had an argument with my kids. I mean, oh, we can all see that. Kind of obvious, isn't it? But what's not obvious is, what are those unclean spirits that we're wrestling against and fighting against and they're wreaking havoc? And how is it we don't discern that? And so I'm asking you this morning to start the training process. To start training your senses that goes beyond the flesh, beyond the five senses that God's given us, and the physical, and start recognizing spiritual things. That's the food, he said. And so if you're ready for real food, then you're ready to start recognizing spiritual attacks. So let me ask you this. Do you recognize spiritual attacks when they come for what they are? Let me give you a sign that you might have a spiritual attack. Deep confusion. I think last week God performed a illustrated sermon with me. Uh, I had it happen maybe 20 years ago and I had it happen last week. Twice it's happened, I think, in my entire ministry. But I just felt confused. I couldn't read off the paper. And most of you have heard me preach for a long time. That's not a normal thing for me but I felt like I was under an attack. 
I felt confused. I felt like I couldn't move on forward. And, and I kept pushing through though. I kept saying, I got to deliver them a message. I got to deliver them a message. And God was saying, you're not going to deliver this message. And the more I looked at you, the more I realized it was hopeless. And the more I realized that the enemy was attacking my mind. And you're going to find out times in life when it feels that way. How many have ever felt that way? You're angry for no reason. You're like, I don't even know why I'm mad at this person. I don't even know why I'm arguing with this person. I don't know why I'm so frustrated. I don't know why I'm so irritable. I don't understand why I don't want to pray. I don't understand why I don't want to go to church. How many have ever felt this way? Well, if your senses aren't trained and we're not discerning good and evil, we might say to ourselves, well, man, I just got chemical imbalances. And you might, you might, you might, but God still has to heal it though. It's still not okay that we're arguing with maybe somebody that's very close to us that's lost. And we're arguing with them and we're not helping their lostness any. Or we're at work and we've just full of anger for no reason and it's just totally blowing our ability to minister to people at work. Um, how many know these, these, uh, Sinful nature things that I read earlier, the hate, the discord, the envy, the strife. Um, how many have ever felt that spirit of strife just creep up in your home? Or at work, you feel that envy just creep up on you. You feel that strife or you feel that... See, we've got to be able to discern. Our senses aren't sharp. This is a spiritual attack. You are under a, an attack. There's an enemy... Just as sure as I'm standing here, that spiritually is attacking you through people and through your own mind. In fact, uh, you say, well, he won't attack through my own mind. Second Corinthians 10.5 We are to destroy speculations and every lofty thing that raises itself against the knowledge of God and we're to take every thought Take every what? Thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Do you know you're being attacked in your own thoughts? And we've got to take those thoughts captive or they will, if we don't arrest them and take them captive, they're going to actually destroy us. And so there's a battle here. And so deep confusion. How many have ever felt condemnation and guilt and your spiritual senses are dulled. It's like, I don't want to pray. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to see anybody from church. I don't even want to think about spiritual things. And you're filled with condemnation, and you're filled with guilt, and you're deeply confused. Church, we have to start recognizing we're under attack. And this stuff happens often when you're on your way to church. How many have ever had happen on the way to church, or are you guys just all... Super spiritual. But see, this is what the enemy wants to do. He wants to damage our environment here. He wants you to say to yourself, man, I don't want to sit through another worship service. I don't want to listen to that silly preacher anymore. I get it. I don't like listening to my own voice sometimes when I'm like this, especially. (laughs) But how many know we've got to learn when we're being attacked and learn how to escape it? 
Um, and he's going to isolate you. That's what he's going to do. He's going to try to get you alone. He's not going to, he doesn't want you around anybody else. He's dulling those senses. And you don't understand you're under attack. You say, it's me. Something's wrong with me. I'm condemned. I'm guilty. It's me, me, me. And what ends up happening? Well, man, you take it out on your wife. Your wife takes it out on the kids. And then the littlest kid goes out and kicks the dog. And the dog didn't do anything. So everybody got attacked by that chain reaction. How how many know what I'm talking about? That poor little dog. (laughs) But it's all started because there's a spiritual attack and we can't fight it because we don't stand up to it. And if we don't know it's happening, how are we going to stand up to it? Let me give you another attack. I'm just saying this to train your senses. We're all training here, right, this morning? Feelings of hopelessness. Man, Chad, it feels hopeless this morning. I don't know what happened to me. I woke up this morning. It was dark. I was afraid. It was despair. Nothing's going right. Man, I just feel like everything's going wrong. Things were going so good. Man, things were going great. And then all of a sudden, despair, darkness, and it's hopeless. Church, you just had an attack. You know how I know Elijah did the same thing. He stood up and had one of the greatest moments of his life. He stood up to all those hundreds of priests of the pagan temple. And God basically stood on Elijah's side and he struck down all these priests from this pagan temple. And the next thing you know, he's spiritually attacked. He's despairing. He's hopeless. In fact, he runs out into the wilderness, into a mountain of the Lord, and he's just sulking there. He just feels like all hope is gone. How many have ever felt that way? Church, we have to recognize our senses have to sharpen up a little bit. That's when you need fellowship. That's when you need Christian people around. That's when you need prayer. That's when you need to learn how to fight off a spiritual attack because you're being attacked. You're being attacked by demonic spirits. Unclean spirits have been um, allowed to enter in somehow. And so you're under an attack. Did you know that you're under an attack? Did you know that there's good documentation in the Bible that that's a spiritual attack when you feel hopeless and depressed and dark and despairing? And what's even worse is somebody you love in your house is going to be attacked like that by the enemy and we're going to think they're in a bad attitude. We're going to think they're having a bad day or a bad attitude or they just hate you for some reason. And and guess what? People we love the most are going to get no help when they're under attack because we don't realize they're under a demonic attack. They kick us, we kick, we yell back, we yell at the kids and then the kid kicks the dog again. That poor dog. You know, he's getting all the brunt of it, right? Everybody, I'm, all I'm saying is everybody takes it out on the next person. It's called displaced aggression. Very well-known term here, okay? I'm not saying everybody kicks the dog, but I'm just saying somebody takes it out on somebody else and the enemy just wreaks havoc on everybody. It's true. Let me give you another one. And you, you're not even going to realize because our senses are dull that this is an attack. Temptation. You, you go, well, doesn't the Bible say I'm driven away by my own lust? Yeah. But when Jesus was at his weakest moment, who popped up? 
Who tempted Jesus? It was Satan directly tempting him because he was at his weakest moment. So when you're being tempted by those things that draw you astray, who do you think is behind the temptation? It's a demonic attack. You say, well, man, I'm being tempted with pornography, Chad. Do you know that almost always there's there's a demonic spirit involved in that temptation? It's either with the person who produced the pornography, the person in the pornography, or the person that might be sitting in the stinking room with you, that unclean spirit. And how many know you're not just being driven away by your own lusts, you are being attacked by an enemy, by a demonic spirit is trying to tempt you. You say, well, man, he's putting that alcohol right in front of me. How many know that's a demonic spirit? There's a reason they call them spirits, right? He's putting it right there in front of you and saying, hey, have a drink. Have a drink. You know, you're all right. You can handle it. How many know anger? You say, well, man, I'm just an angry person. No, that's a demonic spirit that you've probably had inside of you since you were... I'm not going to say inside. I'm not saying it's possession. But there are different levels of demonic oppression. And how many know that anger literally is an unclean spirit trying to get you to lash out at people? I'm just saying we've got to understand these are demonic attacks. And we've got to learn how to stand against the enemy. And we've got to be able to not say to ourselves, hey, I'm a bad person and condemn myself. No, you need somebody to come pray with you. You need somebody to stand with you. You need somebody to help you through the condemnation and the guilt. You need somebody to stand with you and stand strong. And then the next time it happens, we're going to keep practicing. We're going to practice next time. He's not going to do what he did to me this time. How many have ever said that? Man, he got me really good this time. You know, I really was pretty angry and I really lashed out at my family, but he's not going to get me next time. Next time I'm going to pass this. Next time I'm going to practice and I'm going to sense and I'm going to train my senses, my discernment, and I'm going to recognize the demonic attack when it just shows up in my house. How many would like that when the spirit of strife is in your house? Spirit of strife means the spirit of fighting. How many have felt it rise up? Like, man, I want to fight. Well, why do I want to fight? Why do I want to argue? Because there's a there's an unclean spirit there that's trying to get you to lash out. And how many know we can take control of that environment? God wants us to be full of the Spirit and have love, joy, peace, self-control. How many know that kind of Spirit can't stand when we're full of the Holy Spirit? We won't gratify the desires of the flesh if we're full of the Holy Spirit. Let me give you another attack you may not have noticed. When you're under a threat. You say, well, is this biblical, Chad? Does this have a foundation? Does the enemy really threaten us? You know, Daniel was threatened with lions. I mean, hungry lions. You say, well, Chad, I've had a bad day. Well, get over it because you don't have hungry lions in a pit waiting for you. (laughs) All right? (laughs) You've had a bad day, but not that bad. And how many know that was a direct attack from the enemy because that man was being faithful to God? How many know that the Bible has stories of whole armies that are surrounding the men of God under threat? And how many know that's a demonic threat? And you say, well, man, Chad, I'm threatened because my finances don't look right. I'm threatened because my relationship is breaking up. How many know when you're under a threat, how many know that's not just a threat to your survival, that is the enemy threatening you? And you're under a demonic attack. These threats came against you. 
And you say, well, it's physical, Chad. Everything physical is coming against me and I'm under a threat. How I many know that's a demonic attack? Financial, that's a demonic attack. My relationship, that's a demonic attack. I'm worried about my kids. Demonic attack. Anytime you feel that threat and you feel like things are about to unravel, how many know that's a demonic attack? And we need to sharpen our senses and not say, don't dull your senses and say, I can't pray, I can't go to church, I can't be around people. That's when you got to say, man, I need some help here. I need prayer. Remember when I was under attack, that illustrated sermon, all I could do was say, church, just come up here and pray with me. Then I look at Ryan and I say, play something, play anything, play some music, play something. And then as we all came together, man, I just started feeling, you know, the joy and the peace. And I mean, no, that's what we all need. Uh, Elijah is awesome because Elijah's sitting in the mountain and the Lord actually comes and ministers to him. And God begins to tell him everything's going to be all right, Elijah, everything's going to be fine. And you see Jesus, you know, after he's tempted, they begin to minister to him and you know, and the Lord directly ministers to him after that temptation. And how I many know oh, the Lord will minister to us and the Lord will get us through it and the Lord will give us the strength, but we've got to recognize we're under attack or the enemy will literally have his way with us. He'll wreak havoc if we're not careful. Here's the last one, and there's so many, but we've got to sharpen our senses. How about a sudden troubles? Remember Job? Remember, everything came all at once. It was like his finances, his health, his family. How many have ever gotten up and you're like, what in the world did I do wrong today? Man, everything went wrong. How many have ever had a day like that? I might be the only one that the Lord has placed His wrath upon. Right? But you get up and every single thing you do is wrong. Every person you talk to, it's wrong. And you may not realize this, but if you were going to attack somebody, how would you do it? I try to bury them all at once, right? I try to give everything I have to try to attack them at their weakest point and pour everything on them. And church, can I tell you that's a demonic attack? And a lot of us, we want to revert into our shell and say, I'm being attacked, woe is me. And we just have this um, tendency sometimes just to feel sorry for ourselves. And you got good reason to. I'm not saying you don't. I'm saying that's perfectly good reason. I mean, if you've had that bad of a day, I mean, you know, it could make a grown man cry. Right? Don't get the wrong idea. I might not be crying. but Okay, I would. I would. I got pretty upset just having to get into an MRI machine the other day. How many of you have ever been in one of those? It's like a torture chamber. An MRI machine. Put a mask on your face and they gave me the smallest one they had and tried to stuff me into it. I thought I was a pretty tough guy until they did that. <clears throat> but how many know suddenly everything comes upon you and you feel everything hitting you at once? That not, isn't just coincidence. That's a demonic attack and we need some help. We need Christian brothers and sisters who are faithful. We need to have those people and call them up and say, hey, you went through it last month, now it's my turn. We need to pray about this. And how many know God is just waiting for us to cry out? Like Job is the great example, but how many know that was a very controlled environment? I mean, God 
um, really wanted Job to trust Him and call out to Him and cry out to Him. And God is just waiting for us to cry out to Him and God will calm the storm. He'll say peace to it. But when we're under an attack, how many know that if our senses aren't sharp and we're not discerning that that's a spiritual attack, we could react the wrong way regularly. We could be like Paul. He's like, we could be like, I'm going to have to go back and explain the simple principles again, son. You're still on milk. <laughs> you know, how many of you know we can be in the Lord a long time and still be on the milk? <laughs> you know, or go back to it where we've matured and we can revert back in life and not handle things well again. So how do we handle when we're under attack? That's really the important thing. The important thing is we recognize it first, but then how do we handle it? And I'm going to say the very first thing that we need to do is, boy, do we need the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that when we, when we um, accept Jesus Christ as the Lord of our life, the Holy Spirit comes into our life. And the Bible says that we stay full of the Holy Spirit, we won't gratify the desires of the flesh. And so when we see that environment beginning to um, go awry, it's really at that time we need to cry out to the Lord and say, Holy Spirit, you need to help me today. In fact, I would really suggest that you start your day that way. And uh, how many know that God wants us to be filled with the Holy Spirit every day? He wants us to be freshly filled with the Holy Spirit. And you say, man, what does that feel like? How many have ever been in a time of worship where you just felt like you could climb the highest mountain and you felt like you were just full of courage in the Lord? And um, in church, that's how we need to probably enter our days. We need to just try to say, man, if I'm going to drive 30 minutes to work, I'm going to have worship music and I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek the Lord and I want the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And if you've never had the baptism of the Holy Spirit, my goodness, I'll tell you, I pray in the Spirit nearly all day long. And in church, we need to be going to work praying in the Spirit. We need to go to work full of the Holy Spirit. We need to walk into that environment and uh, too often we're saying, oh no, what's the enemy doing? And we need to turn that around. The enemy needs to say, oh no, what's he doing? You know, what is this guy doing? You know, and, and I think the enemy genuinely fears people that are full of the Holy Spirit. We walk into church full of the Holy Spirit. He'd rather come in here wounded. He'd rather us come in here empty. He'd rather us come in here dry. He'd rather us come in here battle embattled. Uh, but how many know when we're full of the Holy Spirit, the enemy flees? I mean, the enemy wants no part of a believer that's full of the Holy Spirit. He, he literally fears that. <clears throat> so that's number one. I think that's very important. Um, the second thing the Bible says is put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, powers, uh, forces of darkness against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. So take up the full armor of God that you will be able to resist in the evil day. Evil day is that day we're talking about the attack. And having done everything to stand firm, stand for, firm therefore, having girded your loins with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having stood with your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all, take up the shield of faith, 
shall be able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I just want to stress that every part of the armor of God has a specific function in fighting off these attacks. And you say, well, I'll put it on one time and I'll be good. No, we've got to get up every day and think about what each one of those pieces of the armor do in our life. You know, something to protect our mind, something to protect our heart, something to protect the places that we walk, something that is an offensive weapon, which is the Word of God. And uh, we need to start giving uh, thought to the one thing God gave us through the Spirit, which is that armor. And um, you say, well, man, I, I think I'll be all right most of the month going to work without understanding what my armor is. A church, we can't go one minute without that armor of God. And uh, because the enemy will attack, and guess what? When we have the armor of God on, um, God's going to protect us. But there are times we get lazy. How many know that? And we just go through life, and we're getting beaten down by the enemy, and we wonder why. It's because we haven't put on the armor. Hallelujah. Number three. Ephesians 6.18 says, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. This in mind, be alert and keep on praying for all of the saints. Um, prayer is really important. And you say, Chad, I keep praying about this thing. Um, church, we need groups of prayer people. We need uh, You need to start building a prayer group. You say, well, I don't want to bother the pastor. I don't want to bother these people in the church. I don't want to bother this person. Well, do you not want them to bother you when they're being attacked? If you've got a son or a daughter and you love them and they're being attacked, do you want them to call you or do you not want them to call you? Well, if you're not calling people when you're being attacked, then guess what other people won't do when they're being attacked? In church, we've got a, the Bible says pray for one another, love one another, bear one another's burdens. And we say, but we're independent people and that's the problem. In America, we're mostly independent people. And that hurts us when we're fighting. You say, well, I'll handle it alone. Well, you'll get beat alone. You say, well, I got the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit's telling you, pray with one another. You say, well, I got the Holy Spirit. It's all I need. No, the Holy Spirit said, love one another, pray with one another, bear one another's burdens. And if you're not doing those things, you're being disobedient to the Holy Spirit. And so church, we've got to find people that we can call in our time of need when we're being attacked and when you say, hey, let's pray together. Let's pray about this thing. In church, we need to be praying. One thing I love is every Thursday night, we're just letting the Spirit lead and we're praying for... In fact, I'm looking around this church and I can't see one person that hasn't been in our prayers You know, every Thursday night. And how many know we need to regularly be praying, as he says there, for all the saints. The prayers of the righteous avail much. That means God hears those prayers and God will spare people from attacks if we're praying for one another. So if you have somebody that you love, if you have family members, I hope that you get up every day and pray over them. Pray for them while they're gone. Pray in the Spirit for them. Pray for yourself. You say, well, I'm praying, but I'm still struggling. Find a group to pray with. Find people you can call and pray with. I mean, you know, this prayer thing is really a big deal. Why is it a big deal? Because it's fair for everybody. God answers through prayer. You say, who can pray? Well, you can be in a hospital bed with a full body cast, and guess what you can still do? 
You can actually pray better than the person that has their whole functions, right? And so God answers through prayer. That's how he decided to do it. And so the Bible says uh, you have not. Why? Because you ask not. So if you're not asking, how are you going to have victory? And so we need to be faithful. Hallelujah. Number four, his word. How many know his word is very important? In fact, I've got lots of books in my office, if you want them, on just the promises in the Bible. And they're broken down for everything you'll ever go through. Depression, here's a promise. You know, if I'm going through a financial thing, here's the promise. If I'm going through a health thing, here's the promise. How many know that God wants us to come uh, through prayer and His Word and have those promises in front of Him and say, God, here's your promise. Here's your promise. I'm going to hold on to this promise. I'll die holding on to this promise, Lord. And you say, well, what power does that have? Quoting the Word all the time. Well, when Jesus was being spiritually attacked, what did He do every time? He quoted the Word. When He's being tempted, what did He do every single time? He quoted the Word. He said, this is what the Word says, Satan. This is what the Word says, Satan. This is what the Word says, Satan. You say, well, how does that work? That means when I'm being condemned and when there's guilt and when there's shame, I quote the Word. See, He's lying to you. He's not telling the truth. You've got to speak the truth because the lies are flooding your heart and your mind and God wants you to begin to speak the truth over your situation. Hallelujah. And the last thing. Oh, actually, it's not the last thing. The second to last thing. Praise. Say, man, it'd be nice if I had God in this situation. Just so far away, my senses are dulled. Psalm 22.3, He inhabits the praises of His people. You say, man, I don't feel like doing anything. Well, just put some worship music on. You don't even have to sing. You just have to listen. Put that music on and just begin to say, Lord, I praise You. I praise You in the storm. I praise You in the hard times. I praise You in all this attack I'm under. Lord, I praise You when I'm not feeling right, when I'm sick. I praise You through all of this. I'm going to praise You, God. I'll praise You through the condemnation. I'll praise You through the guilt. I'll praise You through the shame. And then as you keep praising, guess what? God will inhabit your praises. God will come into your situation. It may not even change your situation yet, but I guarantee you the whole environment will change if you begin to praise Him. You say, well, why do I praise Him when I'm condemned? Because you're not condemned. Why do I praise Him when I'm ashamed? Because you don't need to be ashamed. Why do I need to praise Him when Satan has beaten me up? Because Satan doesn't have the right to beat you up. When you begin to praise Him, His truth just begins to flood your situation. You begin to realize, I'm a son, I'm a daughter, He died for me. You mean I'm not perfect? No, you're not perfect. He died for you. That's why I died for you, son. He begins speaking to you. One thing that's greater than praying and speaking to Jesus, you say, there's something better than that? Yeah, it's better when you shut up and He speaks to you. It's better when he says, uh, I love you. Man, you know when your father says, I love you? Do you know how healing that is? When you're ashamed, when you feel rejected, when you feel broken, when you feel condemned, when you feel like you can't move forward, when there's despair, when there's hopelessness. And he says, son, I love you. That's better than a million words for me. When my heart hears he loves me. 
When my heart hears, son, everything's going to be just fine. Son, you're going to be with me really soon. Son, there's going to be no death. There's going to be no tears. There's going to be no sickness. There's going to be no sorrow. Son, everything's all right. Everything's really good. And guess what happens? I end up praying myself happy. Hallelujah. The demonic oppression lifts. The dark clouds go away. And it's just like, man, look at me. <laughs> look at me. Do you know Job never got healed of his situation? But when he started praising God, he was still praising Him while he still had this the mess with his body. He still had all the things going around, but he started praising God. And then his situation just began to change immediately. Hallelujah. And, and church, I don't know if you know what it feels like to praise God in a storm. I don't know if you know how, how it feels to praise God in the middle of the darkness. I don't know if you know what it feels like to praise God under a demonic attack and feel the enemy flee. But the Bible says... Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. James 4, 7. How many like to see the devil run? Hallelujah. And church, it's time. It's time we start putting the devil to flight and come to church victorious. Change this environment. You say, well, man, what's it going to do with my Christmas celebration? You won't believe it. Your environment will be different. The enemy will have no place. He'll have no foothold. He'll have no ability to destroy your, 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 your parties and your celebrations and your time with your family. And how many get tired of the enemy still in those times? Say, man, I feel so bad. I love that person and I wanted it to go well. Or how many just don't want to sit around in the molly grubs all the time? I mean, no, we don't have to, church. And then the very last thing, the most important one of all, Obedience. Oh, get quiet. Sometimes we just, um, I think it was where Paul's frustrated in Hebrews. He says, You're dull in your senses. It means you're not trying. You're like, Chad, I can't, I can't, I can't. Well, what part of that can't you do? He died for your sins. He died so you don't have to be condemned. He died so you don't have to be guilty. He died so the enemy can be put to flight. Church, we've been given everything. All we have to do is be obedient, but sometimes we just don't want to. Sometimes we'd rather be in the molly grub. Sometimes we'd rather uh, be beaten up by the enemy because it feels somehow safer. And God's saying, do something different. Let's be victorious. Let's be obedient. Let's just do what God's called us to do. Hallelujah. Where's my worship team at? No worship team in here? I have no worship team? What do I? Seriously? All right. Well, hallelujah. What can I get on YouTube? Yeah, Ryan's sick and uh, I guess my worship team left, huh? Wow, that's never happened. Hallelujah. I don't sing. Here we go. Wow, I did not see that coming. Hallelujah, church, stand to your feet this morning. Can I tell you something? You're going to have days just like this. You're going to look around, there's going to be no worship team. Right? How many have ever done that? You looked around, and that's what I was going to say. You looked around, you there's no worship team. There's nobody lead me in song. Hallelujah. Church, let's be thermostats this morning. I want to invite everybody up to the front. If you're condemned and you're guilty this morning, you're going to have to just take that spirit of heaviness. 
accept what I'm saying today, be obedient and say, yeah, I messed up, I failed. But how many know Jesus Christ wants to lift that from you? You're a child of God. He forgives you. Let's get up here. Let's just shed all that condemnation. Let's find a place up here. Let's worship for maybe one song. Can we do that? Let's be thermostats this morning. Let's just praise God no matter what. Let's be our, let's be the worship team this morning. Hallelujah. Give me some more volume there. Hallelujah. Let's just come to the altar up here. We want to pray for people. Hallelujah. Come on to the front. Sometimes we're guilty of just doing that when we're at church. I mean, no, the environment just shifted. You know you can do that at home. (laughs) Hallelujah. You start feeling the enemy attack you. Man, just get your, you can buy a Bluetooth speaker almost anywhere, right? You can find worship almost anywhere on YouTube, right? Just get that worship song ready in church. We've got a choir ready to sing at any point. How many can do this? How many can shift your environment every day? Hallelujah. Shift your environment every day. How many feel when the enemy's attacking? How many can, t- how many can sense that when the enemy's attacking the environment? You say, well, man, it happens to me all the time, Chad. I bet it doesn't happen to you. Does it happen to me? It happens to me. It happens to all of us. We all should be angry that the enemy does what he does. And we just want to sharpen that as a church. How many can come into this house every time with the Spirit of the Lord with you and just change this environment? And church, that's what's going to take. That's uh, We want to shift this environment. We want to shift your home environment. We want to shift your family environment when you're celebrating. Hallelujah. How many, uh, anybody need prayer this morning? You say, man, the enemy's really been attacking me and I would like my brothers and sisters in the Lord to pray over me. Anybody like that this morning? One over here. Let's get some people around Stacy over here. Let's get some around Betty right here. Hallelujah. Let's get some around Rick over here. Many men as I can get around Rick over here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I just want you guys to begin to pray, everybody. I want everybody to bring that thermostat up. And I want you to pray the prayer of faith over your brothers and your sisters. You don't. You can call the pastor anytime you want. We got lots of brothers and sisters who want to lay hands on you. I want you to pray right now with authority. Somebody take charge in each place. Pray in authority. Somebody take charge with Stacy over here. So I want somebody to pray over Jeremiah. Won't you pray over her over here? Hallelujah. Yes, Lord Margie. I want you to pray over her out loud. Hallelujah. Even. Hallelujah. Right now, Lord. Oh, yes, Lord God. Hallelujah. Begin to touch them, Lord. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Right now. Right now.